Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. I'd just like to wish you a happy new year as this is the first episode of 2023 and today we are starting a new series in the book of Genesis. We are working through the book of Genesis for the next few weeks and not just looking at the first two or three chapters but actually working our way through to I think about Genesis chapter 15. Uh, Genesis is a great book and I hope that you really enjoy this series. We're going to be starting today with the first episode that is Genesis chapter 1 from uh, the beginning through to chapter 2 verse 3. The opening verses of Genesis describing the beginning of creation. You might like to have a read of the passage before you listen. I'm sure you're uh, aware of it already. You've read it before but it might be good to refresh your memory. And just to let you know that there is more content available on the YouTube channel. I'm still working on the Firm Foundations course. And this week we were thinking about the Trinity and how that is uh, biblical and relevant to us. So you might like to have a look at the YouTube channel. The links are down below. And if you'd like to support Understand the Bible, there are various ways you can do that. uh, And the link for that is down below as well. So thanks so much, everyone. Just to say as well, if you are able to, please do leave the podcast a rating, uh, maybe even a review, as that will help other people to find the podcast. And thanks to everyone who has done that already. I really do appreciate it. So God bless. I hope that you find the sermon edifying and beneficial. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. You may be aware of some of the the ways that the ancient world uh, looked at creation. You may know about, for example, the the ancient Greek gods, and they were a pretty capricious and petty bunch, um, the ancient Greek gods. They were always sort of warring with one another. They were having fights, and they behaved very badly towards one another. And in the ancient Greek world, creation was a bit of an afterthought. I think creation and, and humanity only came about because the ancient Greek gods had a bit of a fight and creation just sort of ended up being created because they were fighting about something. I'm not quite sure how it all happened, but that's, that, that's the, the gist of it. Uh, and it's kind of interesting how it ended up with creation and with humanity being kind of relegated, I suppose, in importance. You know, it's just a, a bit of a footnote to what was happening with the gods. And it's interesting today how that same thing, a similar thing, has kind of happened from a scientific perspective. Because we are told that, you know, in society, that the universe was only made because of a Big Bang, because of a big explosion, you know, many, many um, billions of years ago. That's all that it is. And that we are nothing but fancy bald monkeys. You know, that's the, the view that we are told. And it's saying that we are nothing but those things. You know, we are just here as a product of random accident. That's, that's all there is to say. And both of those things kind of serve to diminish the importance of creation and the importance of humanity and our place in creation. And that's where the way that the Bible begins is so important because what this says is revolutionary. You know, this is what has shaped uh, the Western world for generations. And it's this teaching here which has actually made the differences that we see today. And so um, this is why it's important to look at, at Genesis and particularly to look at the, the creation. 
you know, I'm, I mean, I think this is probably one of my favourite passages in the Bible. You know, I, I think with the Bible, you know, it's all the word of God, isn't it? But there are certain, I think, certain high points in the Bible. And I think this chapter or these first three chapters are one of the high points of the Bible. And I find Genesis 1 is one of these chapters where the more you look into it, the more you see. Yeah, and um, no, I don't, just don't have the time today to go through and take you through everything. Uh, so I'll try and just make it, uh, we've just got, I think, four things that I want to say about Genesis chapter 1. But maybe, this might spark a thought, maybe later you could go back home and have a look, perhaps over lunch, just open your Bible, have a look at Genesis chapter 1 and see what you can see in this, yeah, in this passage. So what lessons does this teach us about God and his creation? The first thing is that God created everything. Now, you might think, well, oh, come on, Phil, that's just a bit obvious, isn't it? You know, that's what we teach the children at Little Fishes. You know, the youngest children, the toddlers, the, you know, the youngest ones. We teach them, oh, God made everything. You think, well, yeah, of course he did. You know, that's a bit obvious, isn't it? But actually, I think that's one of the most profound statements that you can make if you really think about it. You think about this, and I was talking about this actually um, the, other, the other day, back on Sunday at, at our um, Alpha group. Can you understand creation, you know, the universe, and can you understand yourself without understanding the God who made it and the God who made you? Now, that's something quite profound, isn't it? Because if you think about it, someone like Richard Dawkins, for example, who thinks that we are nothing but random chance, who thinks that we are nothing but a product of a, the Big Bang and evolution and so on, will have a very different view of the universe and of creation to someone who believes that God made it. So it's one of the most profound things that we can say, actually, and it has implications. It has implications for all sorts of things. You think about what difference it makes to science, for example. Imagine that you, know, that, um, you believe that God made the universe and it's a wonderful thing. You know, it's, a, it's a joy to study, isn't it? Because you're studying what God made. But imagine if you don't believe any of that. You may enjoy studying the universe, but it's not discovering anything about God. But it has other implications too, and, and those are massive, and um, we don't have the time to go through all of those. Um, but you might like to think through what some of those might be. So the second thing then, the second lesson about God and creation is that God made it good. God made it good. One of the things about this passage is that it's very uh, numerical, you know, that certain words and phrases are repeated a certain number of times. Like the word good, for example, comes up seven times in Genesis chapter 1 through to um, chapter 2 verse 3. Seven times. A lot of things are repeated seven times. In fact, even the sentences, some of them are multiples of seven. So I think it starts out with seven words and then it goes to 14 and, and so on. Um, so it, it's very good. That's the thing which it keeps repeating. And actually in, in chapter 2 verse 3, it says... Um, uh, no, that's not chapter 2, verse 3. Where is it? Oh, here we go. Verse 31, sorry. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So the final time we see it, it's not just good, it's very good. 
That's the, the world, the universe that God has made. It is very good. And what does that say to us? It means that there's nothing wrong with enjoying creation. There's nothing wrong with enjoying creation. In fact, I think the opposite. I think we as Christians should be known for enjoying the world which God has made. You know, all of the things which, which God has made, you know, the things which um, you know, are natural, the things which are human, you know, sunsets and friendships and good meals and good food and all of the things which, which God has made. You know, we should be known for, for enjoying it. But something which um, I, I still think in the church we have a, a bit of a mindset of is that, you know, that, that God wants us to be sort of um, ascetic, is the word. You know, that the more spiritual you are, the more you get away from the things of the body and the things of the world and so on. But actually Genesis says, no, that's not true. That God made the world and it was very good. And yes, it has been spoiled, we know that. We know, we'll get on to that in a couple of weeks when we look at Genesis chapter 3. But the world itself is very good, and it was good in the beginning. And that's what we should be seeking to enjoy, you know, to enjoy the world that God has made. Asceticism is not biblical. And I think the church has often been sort of corrupted by this teaching over, over the years. Many of the, um, the early church there were there were people in the early church who were called the desert fathers who um, went and lived in the wilderness in the desert and there was one called um, I think St Simeon Stylites who who lived on a pole lived on a sort of a pillar a column uh, about 30 meters tall for years and he just had his food brought to him but that he just stayed on this column and um, you know in the middle of the desert to try and get away from uh, from temptation but you know I think that's not <coughs> They, they may have been sincere and genuine, but it's not biblical. That's the thing. So you mustn't have that attitude. The third thing, the third lesson about creation is that God made it ordered, not chaotic. This is sort of the pattern of Genesis chapter 1. It's like God bringing order out of chaos. So you see there in, in verse 2, it says, The earth it was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So those are kind of words of, you know, just nothingness and kind of disorder, aren't they? You know, formless and empty, and also the waters, you know, the waters in those days were the ancient world sort of representing the, um, the forces of chaos. That was what they, they saw the sea as, you know, like the, representing the forces of chaos in the world. It was a symbolic thing. And what we see through this chapter is God bringing order from the chaos. So the word, for example, the word separating uh, comes up five times. So God separated, for example, the light from the darkness, separated the day and night. He separated the water from um, the sea, from the water above, from the, from the sky, and, and so on. And he makes uh, earth and sea and he makes light and darkness and, and all of those things and he, he finishes by making male and female which we'll come on to so God separates he makes things which work together so rather than just being a kind of a one blob you know God forms it into into things which are 
makes sense, which makes sense together. You know, can you imagine the day without the night or the night without the day, for example? You know, that's what God made. He made it uh, ordered. And uh, he, another, another phrase which is repeated ten times is according to its kinds or according to their kinds. So the animal kingdom and the plant uh, kingdom, again, was created according to its kinds. So God made everything and he made everything that had its own place. It made me think a little bit of those documentaries you see sometimes, you know, the David Attenborough nature documentaries, you might have seen some of them, where they'll show a, a, a little bit of footage of the, you know, the tiniest plant or the tiniest animal, you know, a little insect even, and just, the, just focusing in on that one little plant or insect, you know, just seeing how complex it is and how, how well designed it is, and yet how it, it has that, that part of the whole, you know, it's an, it, it performs some important part of, of um, the, the ecosystem. Now just think about how complex our world is. You know, the tiniest ant has a place in this world, that it's, it's all made to work together. You know, it's all different, but all made to work together. That's how God made it. You know, he's a, he's a God of order. He's a God who brings order out of chaos and everything works together. It made me think a little of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, where Paul says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. God's not a God of disorder, but of peace. That's, that's what God is. Not a God of chaos, but a God of order. And uh, I, I take comfort from that because I'm someone who likes a bit of uh, order in the world. I, I struggle with chaos. Um, which is quite difficult when you've got young children around. But um, there we go. It's a, that, it, that is the thing, though, isn't it? That, that actually God is a God of order, not a God of disorder, and that he likes the world to be, uh, to be ordered. And the fourth and final lesson from Genesis is that God placed humanity, human beings, at the centre of his plans. That's the final thing. As it says there in a... Verse 27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And just important to, I think, just flag up at this point about saying how God created them male and female. And, you know, in years gone by, you wouldn't have had to make this point. But in our world today, that's a, a thing which is very much under attack, isn't it? That, you know, a lot of, a lot of society are trying to um, erase any differences between men and women and say that those, those distinctives are not important at all. But actually, it says God created male and female. That is what God made in <coughs> creation. And if you think about it, what does it say about a society that's trying to erase male and female. We're trying to erase God, really, aren't we? Trying to say, well, we can create better than God can. And that's something which um, we'll, we'll come back to. But I just wanted to mention that as it is there in, in Genesis chapter 1. So we are created, male and female, we are created equally in the image of God. What does it mean to be made in God's image? 
I think something we, that, that I heard about this, uh, this sort of being made in the image is, is, that was helpful was that in those days, of course, they didn't have the TV, they didn't have newspapers or anything like that. So how would someone who lived in a, in a, a kingdom know who the king was? And of course, what they would do in those days, they would make an image of the king. They'd make a statue and put that up in the towns so you would know who the king was, so you would know which kingdom that you were living in. And I think this gives us a big clue as to the reason God put us here on earth. We were supposed to show to the, the world, if you like, who was king. That is God. You know, we were supposed to be God's vice regents. You know, we were supposed to have that, that rule, as, as in fact God says, um, just in the previous verse, let us make mankind in our image so that they may rule over the, the fish and, and, sea and, and so on and so forth. And that's our purpose. Our purpose is to be, if you like, the, the crown of creation, to, to be the ones who steward God's creation under him. He sort of, if you like, delegated some of his authority to us so that we are the ones who look after, who steward, who rule the world in God's um, sort of in God's place. Obviously, God is still in control, but he's given us that position. I think what a wonderful position to have been given you know, by the king of everything, to have been given that position to steward God's creation, to look after God's world for him and all of the things that we do. And we are made to be like God as well. As it says there, um, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. What does that mean? You think about it. You think about what we know of God as now that we have the New Testament, now that we've seen Jesus. What, does, what do we know about God? There was a, my, the principal of my um, college, my theological college, was fond of saying that God is from eternity a community of other person-centred love. That's what God is, the Trinity from eternity, a community of love. That's what God made us to be like. He made us to have that, that same unity and diversity that he has. And what that means is, and again, we don't have the time to go into all of the ins and outs of this, but what that means is that each one of us has a place but our place is in part of the wider church, the wider society. And it is as we love others that we, we both discover our uniqueness as individuals and find our place in society. That's what God put us here for. And think about what a wonderful thing that says about us. You know, it means that you are unique. You know, you're a, a wonderful and unique and special individual. God has given you gifts and, and experiences and everything which other people don't have. You know, you are unique. You are you. God's made you unique. At the same time, we fit into a bigger picture. We are made to, to fill a hole, if you like, in society, in the church, in whatever that we're part of. And that's how God has made us, to actually love others in the unique way that we have. And that's the wonderful thing about 
about the way that we are made and what we learn from Genesis chapter 1. So you think about what Genesis 1 teaches us, you know, what a wonderful view of the world. What an inspiration for scientists that the world is made by the finger of God. And that was, that's been the inspiration for many scientists through generations. If you look at many of the early scientists, they were Christians. You know, people like um, Isaac Newton, people like Robert Boyle, uh, Michael Faraday, a lot, a lot of them were devout uh, believers. It's only more recently, unfortunately, that there's been this idea that Christian, that Christianity and science are, are opposites. It's not true at all. What a view of, of creation, but also what a view of humanity. Now, I hope that we can all, as we leave, walk a little bit taller, you know, knowing that actually God has made us and has made us to be part of his creation. Think what dignity that gives to us as human beings. C.S. Lewis once said, uh, you have never talked to a mere mortal. And I think he had a, uh, a lot of wisdom in that, that actually each one of us, everyone you meet today, is made in the image of God. Think what dignity that gives to us as humanity. And, you know, I think this does say something about why it is, and we'll come on to this as well, but why it is that people today um, are trying to, to say we are nothing but animals, we are nothing but fancy bald monkeys. Because, you know, if you think about it, if we're all children of God, we're all made in the image of God, that means we have responsibilities to him and we have responsibilities to one another. But if you say, well, we're just monkeys then we can be, you know, people think, well, we can do what we like. We don't have to worry about God. We don't have to worry about how he made us. So you might think, well, how is it? Why is it that we are trying to erase God as creator? It's because, really, we want to live the way that we want rather than the way that he wants. I thought it would be good to finish with uh, Psalm 8, which is only a, a short psalm, but just a meditation, really, on creation and praising God for his, his creation. So um, I'll, I'll just read this out um, for us. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want to. But Psalm 8, I'll just read this out to finish with. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.